Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Mavs on the Believe Network. I am Mavericks Insider for 105 through the fan Kevin Gray alongside my co-host Alex Tosopoulos. It is game five for the Dallas Mavericks taking on the Golden State Warriors as the Mavericks look to avoid elimination in this series and trying to extend the series to get it back to Dallas for what would be a game six on Saturday. Alex, what's up, man? Good to see you. I I don't know why you're dressed in black. I don't know if you're anticipating a funeral of some sort or what. What's going on? What's going on here as we get ready for game five? No, only only a funeral for Bay Area fans for their own team because the Mavericks <laughs> are taking game five and we're coming back to Dallas for game six. Let's make this a series. We already, we already did. We did what we needed to do. We didn't get swept. So at this point, I think we already were playing with house money, but we're really playing with house money now. And I'm just excited to, to see what this Mavs team can do on the road. Um, clearly a team that has some amount of grit because we, we fended off the sweep. We fended off the brooms. Um, I loved how we played in Dallas. We give our home crowd something to something to cheer about. Uh, even though there was a lot going on at that stadium, what was that like? Yeah, it was a weird atmosphere uh, as the game went on because you know being at the game itself, you know you got two roof leaks because there were storms happening on the outside. Draymond Green misses a free throw that literally just sits on the back of the rim and doesn't move. It was just a really weird night, and then the Mavericks race out to a 29-point lead at the end of three quarters. Steve Kerr proverbially waves the white flag, puts in all of his bench guys. All they do is score 32 points off the bench in the fourth quarter. They cut the lead from 29 to 8. Next thing you know, Steve Kerr is looking down the bench. Hey, I got Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson sitting here. Why don't you guys come on back in? Let's see if we could possibly win this thing. But a Luka Doncic dunk, a Jalen Brunson charge that he took, and then a Reggie Bullock three pretty much sealed the deal for the Mavericks to hold on uh, to win by 10. But, yeah, it was just a really weird kind of night. And, look, the Mavericks hit 23-pointers in the game. You know, I told my buddy before the game started, I said, hey, I think the Mavericks got to hit 25 threes to win this game. And they wind up hitting 20 of them, and they wind up winning the game. But I think now, as you were mentioning, avoiding the sweep, giving that home crowd an opportunity to see a win from this team in this series, who I believe earned the right not to be swept. They were too good this season and played extremely well during the course of this postseason to get swept. And I'm glad that they were able to at least get that win, you know, at home. And now going to Golden State for game five, you take your chances now. You're the team that's not favored to win this game, obviously, you still got a ton of work to do to try and get yourself back into this series. But tonight, you should be able to play with a joy and a freedom that allows them to let it all hang out, go bomb away from three-point line, and let's see what happens in game five. And who knows hmm. how things will turn out. But we'll definitely dive into some specifics that we think that they can do. But sure. what's been your overall feeling about this series now that they have extended it to a game five and not – getting swept in that case with this series. Well, I think I I feel the same way about this last game that that you just mentioned that the Mavericks won that game, right? They, they Mm -hmm. deserved, you you said they deserved not to get swept. And I think at the end of every single NBA game, 
uh, if you're a fan, if you're a viewer, if you're a member of the media, you watch it and, and you can always make that, that assessment of did someone win the game or did someone lose the game? Right. And I, and I think that the Mavs imprint was all over that game. We hit 23s, like you mentioned. Um, I saw a statistic, and I don't remember the the exact details of it, but the amount of shots, the amount of wide open, quote unquote, wide open three pointers that the Mavericks have had in comparison to the other teams in the playoffs. Um, and, and the Mavericks have, I think, nearly a hundred more wide open threes than any other team. I could I could be wrong there, and if you know that stat that I'm that I'm mentioning, please correct me. But um, that's a testament to what Luka Doncic can do, and. For those that like to bash Luca, um, you know those are the type of things that you need to pay attention to. Obviously, worth mentioning that he received his third first team All NBA award in four years of playing. Um, he's already ahead of multiple guys that that will enter the Basketball Hall of Fame. I'm I'm a fan of this team. I mean, we talked last uh, we talked last episode about the disparity in talent between the two rosters, but I, I think that you have to feel pretty good about the Mavs. If you're a Mavs fan going into this game because of the way that they played at home and they've won a road game against a tough opponent. They won a road game in game seven against the Phoenix suns who had the best record in the Western conference final best record in the Western conference and in the NBA. Um, This is a team that can win on the road. We haven't done it a ton in these playoffs, but we can do that. And it's just about the shots falling. And so if we can continue to, to navigate this Warriors defense that throws a lot of different looks at you. I, mm-hmm. I think we finally figured out. It seemed like we figured out Looney a little bit in this game, and that led to a lot of success in driving. I, I saw Luca cutting off ball more. He hit. Uh, he hit a spot up three. He did it. He hit a catch and shoot three. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he he can do it, Kevin. He can do uh, yeah, it. Yeah, he could actually make catch and shoot threes, which was an amazing sight to see and. He even had some off-ball movement. I thought one of the be- better plays of the game, the give-and-go that him and Frank Nilakina had, which I thought was yeah. pretty cool because when Doncic decides to move off the ball a little bit and makes an effort to do so, he's pretty good. He's pretty good at it. And, you know, we've talked about this throughout the course of this show and throughout this series is that this team, when they're good, they're making shots. I mean, their record this season, they're 20-3 and three when they make at least 17 threes in a game they're six and two this postseason when they make at least 17 threes in a game and you talked about them winning on the road they've won on the road when it's mattered most they closed out the utah series in game six on the road they closed out phoenix in game seven on the road they're going to have to do something in this game in this series that no one's been able to do so far in the west against the golden state warriors which is win on their floor in their building the Golden State Warriors right now still undefeated this postseason in the Chase Center. So they're confident in their abilities to win on the road, but they're going to have to do it against a team that's been very comfortable inside that building this postseason. And I think they do have a formula to do it. And I think a lot of it has to do with relentlessly attacking the rim. I joke, but it's funny because we were waiting on this particular official to show up in the Phoenix series. I guess he decided that his time to shine was now because Scott Foster is the lead referee in game five for the Warriors and the Mavericks in San Francisco. So if you're the Mavericks, find a way to continuously put pressure at the rim, make these officials make calls to try and introduce, you know, yourself to the free throw line. 
to be able to get you some freebies, you know, at the free throw line. So yeah. I think they have a formula to do it, and it, it continues with attacking Wiggins and Curry and Thompson yeah. and being able to finish that room because Jason Kidd has said this team can't guard us one-on-one. How they continue to exploit that will be key, I think, going into game five. Yeah, I loved Jalen's aggression in this game, especially I really felt like of all of all four games that we've seen thus far, this was the most hunting of Steph Curry that I've seen, um, making him work on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. I, you know, stick with your guns, right? The Mavericks were relentless in the Luka Doncic, Reggie Bullock pick and roll. They went to it again and again and again. It's been our it's been our most effective um, pick and roll combo throughout the regular season. And and you know, I, I love that kid had to have been in that locker room empowering Reggie to shake off that last game and mm-hmm. keep doing what he's been doing all season, especially in the second half of the season and in these playoffs, which is fire away. You have the green light. He and Dorian Finney Smith have the green light to rip any open three that they, that they have and that they see, especially in the corner where they're both tremendous shooters. So I, I want to see that, that same approach taken tonight with the Mavericks. Um, <laughs> I want to see, more confident Frank Tilakina. I mean, he he was fantastic. <laughs> he, he hit a wing three, which was great. I mean, mm-hmm. his length defensively, you know, that's that's where he really um, can be an appealing basketball player to watch. He's a little undisciplined still, but I think some of that comes with him not getting enough minutes. I mean, it's you're shaking off the rust every single time you come into the game, right? It's, it's tough to hit those wing threes and corner threes when you've only been playing four minutes the game prior. But he had a good game four. Um, we're going to need him in game five. Uh, Josh Green probably won't see the court and we'll get into this after whatever happens in the Western Conference Finals and and, and longer than that. But, you know, it, it's something to address in the offseason, just, the you know, the eight through 15 on this Mavericks roster. Mm-hmm. But I do want to I want to tip my cap a little bit to the Warriors and those young guys sure. that are on their team because Moody played with excellent composure Kaminga, when it looks good, it looks good. It looks yeah. really, really good. Um, He's going to he be a, a good one for a long time, yeah. Yeah, the the mid-range fadeaway that he hit on Dorian, who played nearly perfect defense on him um, in the fourth quarter on one possession, you know, had had my jaw on the floor a little bit. But <laughs> I I think, yeah, sticking to our identity that won us game four, that's what, that's what gets us in a good position in game five. Go to betonline.ag, one of our uh, our great partners that we work with here at Believe in Mavs. The current line for the Dallas Mavericks is plus seven, um, and the over-under is 215 and a half points. What do you think about that, Kevin? Uh, that's interesting because we looked at, let's see, game number four. It was 119 to 109, so we're talking about, what, 228? So that makes sense. You know, 209 was the final total in game three with them outscoring them by nine there. So I would say that's about right. I mean, this has a chance to have a game where these teams are shooting a bunch of threes. I mean, the Mavericks, I feel like are going to shoot a bunch of threes. And if they are hitting anywhere near the clip that they were in game four, they could find themselves in that 110 to 115 range. And, you know, Golden State has been one of the best teams scoring throughout the regular season and in the postseason. They're going to get their fair share of points as well. So, I think it's going to be interesting to see if guys like Maxi Kleba, Reggie Bullock, Dorian Finney-Smith, who went a combined, what, 2 of 17 in game three from the three-point line, 
They come back in game four, go 12 of 20 combined from the three-point line. If those guys are knocking down open threes, the Mavericks have a chance to really be able to put some points on the board in this game. And we think about what happened in game two, right? The Mavericks went up 19. They went 15 of 27 from the three-point line in the first half of that game. They were absolutely on fire from the three-point line. I'm not saying they need to hit 15 threes in the first half of game five, but if you can get something similar to that and plus them attacking the rim, they can build themselves a nice lead in San Francisco. I do expect the Golden State Warriors, though, to really come out attacking early, trying to set an aggressive tone really on both ends of the floor to try and see how the Mavericks withstand that early pressure and try to keep that crowd at the Chase Center in it throughout the course of that game. But the Mavericks know how to play this team. And I think what was important was in game four, this team was able to get a win with the style of play that they have been accustomed to playing all season long. Good defense, knocking down threes, attacking the rim, getting into the paint. And they had 30 assists to 41 made field goals. That means a lot of shots are falling on the first pass, which is great because now you're limiting Golden State's opportunities you know, for things like defensive rebounds and that kind of thing. They shot over 50% for the first time in this series in game four and shot nearly 47% from three. So they they played Mavericks basketball in game four. The question is, can they play a full four quarters of that kind of basketball in game five to try and extend the series? It's the biggest question, obviously, here. Yeah, I think at halftime, the Mavericks, once again, are going to have to have a lead uh, to win this mm-hmm. game. We know that the Warriors have their number in the second half. I know it came with the second unit in this last game, um, but that's going to happen again tonight. So they have to give themselves a comfortable enough lead um, in, in this first half and then maintain by excellent play. And I think that that comes from the top and, and it's Luca having a great second half in this game tonight. When Luca and Jalen Brunson are hitting threes, that's when you know things are really cooking. Jalen Brunson shot excellently from three last game. Luca did not have a good shooting game. So no, he you, would, didn't. You, you, would ex- you would expect that he'd bounce back. I thought that, uh, who was the head official of the last game? Was it Zarba? Uh, let me go back and check. Let me see. It was, it was, I think it was, yeah. mm-hmm. it was Zach, Zach Zarba. Zarba. Mm-hmm. He had, God, he really had it out for Luca last game. I thought Luca <laughs> was initiating a lot of contact and should have been getting more calls than he got. Um, yeah. At a certain level, guys like Luca are going to get more calls. He's he's a first team All NBA guy, right? He's one of the five best players in the NBA. Other people can make their list, but but I've got him in my top five. Mm-hmm. And just like LeBron James got calls, you know, throughout his entire career, just like Giannis gets the calls, Luca should get some of those calls. And and I think that he was really getting roughed up. And at home, I was surprised to see him not getting some of those calls. Um, I expect the the whistle to to go his way a little bit more in his favor this game, but we'll see because Scott Foster's he's a tough egg to crack for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they officiate it. If they let these guys play a little bit, or Scott Foster and his crew will have you know a tight whistle. But I think regardless, this team has to make a concerted effort to continuously attack the paint and be mm-hmm. able to do so with regularity because you've got to be able to put pressure to try and get guys like Kevon Looney into foul trouble. Because we've seen it throughout the course of this series that when they introduce Looney into the actions, you know, he's actually pretty good with his ability to move his feet to be able to, right. you know, to show and recover and those kinds of things. They've got to put pressure on the rim to try and keep, get him into foul trouble to get him out of rhythm. And I think more importantly for the Mavericks offensively is 
you've got to be able when they throw these multiple looks at you, whether it be you know two three zones, you know matchup zones, you know boxing one, these some of these junk defenses that you know teams like the Warriors at times will throw at you. Finding those soft spots in the zone with player movement, being able to move without the basketball, because I still think at times this Mavericks offense gets a little too stagnant, watching right. Luca pound the basketball and nobody's really doing the kind of movement that will allow you to force things and force the issue, you know, against Golden State. So hopefully you'll see some of that other player movement to really get some things going, especially going toward the rim to kind of put that pressure on Golden State when they're in those, you know, those zones yeah. and those drop coverages and that type type of thing. If I'm if I'm Jason Kidd going into tonight, I'm telling Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock, I'm saying, guys, remember that you you can dribble and you can mm-hmm. attack the rim. You don't if you don't have the open three, it doesn't mean that you have to swing the ball back to the top of the key and let Luca try and cook again. There are other opportunities that you got in Game Four where Dorian Finney-Smith on a defender coming on, coming at him on the closeout, hit him with a pump fake, hit him with a jab, got by mm-hmm. him, got into the lane and finished at the rim. Um, he's six, seven, he's an incredible athlete. He's the type of guy that when he's got a full head of steam going towards the rim, that's tough for a defender. They have to make a decision. Am I going to step in front or am I going to try and contest at the rim? He gets up. So if you contest, you better be willing to put a body into him too. Mm-hmm. And then you're sending him to the free throw line. And we're getting easy opportunities there. So I think just reminding those guys to, to, to stay in attack mode. And that doesn't just mean that, okay, if you have the breathing room to take the three, take it. Maxi hit a, Maxi had a pull up too. Again, we haven't seen that mm-hmm. since the since the Phoenix series. Um, he's able to do that, and and you have to know that you are a threat in multiple ways outside of just shooting open threes. And that's that's where the Mavericks team that movement that extra layer that you're talking about gets added in. And then when Luca gets the one on one matchup, like Jason Kidd mentioned, and you reiterated, they can't hang with him. They can't hang with him or Brunson. Um, so I think that that that's the rubric, right? But the Warriors also shot pretty poorly in the first half in that last game. Um, so we'll see. They, they'll probably bounce back at home, right? You, you'd expect some of the quote-unquote role players on their team to, to hit those shots that they weren't necessarily hitting in game one. Um, I'd love to stay aggressive attacking Jordan Poole on the defensive side. Mm-hmm. I thought of all the games that I've watched from Jordan Poole thus far, he looked the youngest as a player that he's ever looked in game four in Dallas. Um, and he's obviously an incredibly young guy. He's got so much room to grow, but he, he was John and he was, he was flustered. And I think Mm -hmm. that's something that if I'm Jalen Brunson, who has great composure always, no matter the circumstance, I would go after him. I'd go after him, especially in that second unit. If I'm Spencer Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie, that's the guy right there. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to ruffle Jordan Poole's feathers because if you can take him out of the game from a mental standpoint, and then he's not hitting those threes on the opposite end. That second unit of Golden State gets a lot less. It, they have a lot less luster when Poole's not firing at all cylinders. Yeah, and you mentioned the guy. Spencer Dinwiddie's the guy for me because he's got to be able to take that second unit tonight and really drive it home when it comes to attacking the rim, finishing, getting to the free throw line, and trying to disrupt them defensively because if you can attack Jordan Poole and get him off the spots on, on the offensive end, but then on the defensive end, make him work, now you're really starting to put pressure on Golden State as far as their bench players. You know, Otto Porter Jr. has been dealing with a foot injury. We'll see if he plays in game in game five. But right. I was curious. I wanted to get your thought on this, too, because, you know, Steve Kerr played Kaminga and Moses Moody for – or Moses Moody, I should say, 
for a long stretch of time in the first half. And I was curious. I was like, I'm not sure if Steve Kerr is like, well, you know, we can play with our food a little bit. You know, we can experiment with some stuff. It seemed or, like it. it yeah, seemed like that's, it. that's what it felt like. Because I was like, if you're trying to win a closeout game, I don't know why you're playing Moody and Kaminga extended minutes in the first half. And, you know, the Warriors are hoping that it won't come back to bite them. But I just thought that was really curious that he had both of those guys in early yeah. on in the first half that way. I, I mean, I think the Warriors seemingly always have the big picture in mind, right? And yeah. playing in a Western Conference Finals game, whether you're up 3-0 or not, you're still playing in the Western Conference Finals. And that is valuable experience for any of those guys on your roster. I think Moody is the type of player with with his player profile, his, sh- his shot making ability from behind the arc, especially his catch and shoot, um, his defensive versatility and his length um, that he could slot in and and step in and kind of be, you know, what Harrison Barnes was for them for a long time. Obviously Wiggins mm-hmm. is playing in that role right now, but you can never have enough guys that can shoot and play defense on your team. And I think he's, he's going to be a core piece of this warrior's future. So yeah, I do think Steve Kerr was playing with his food a little bit and I think maybe it bit him. Um, and, and we'll see if we, I, I would be surprised if we saw Moody in the first quarter and a half of this game, but cause I just don't think he adds much from a value standpoint, from a matchup standpoint against this Mavericks mm-hmm. team. Um, especially because, you know, Clay's looking to fire shots off when he touches the ball. Exactly. Pool's, look, Pool's looking to go ISO ball. Yes. When he breaks a guy down, he's got good court vision. He can get other guys involved. Um, but Otto Porter is in that he he's there to, to shoot spot up threes. That's what he's doing. So if you're putting Moody in, you're, he's playing that role. Draymond's never going to shoot it. And you, want, you right. want Steph to shoot it every single time he touches the ball. Uh, so it's it was a little puzzling to see that. Uh, I certainly clocked it as well. But I'm not, I'm not surprised by it. I actually was surprised that he even put the guys back in. I, yeah, I thought he was going to let the bench players finish it out because they were the ones that had brought him all the way back to within single digits. But right. I mean, if you if you got you know Stephen Curry sitting there, it would be I'd be hard I, pressed to let him just sit there as well. Right, right. I thought for a second I thought he was just going to throw Steph back in with the rest of the guys and mm-hmm. just you know if Steph goes on an eight zero run by himself, okay, then we bring in Draymond, then we bring in Wiggins. Um, but once it got cut to eight. And then Luca had the dunk, and then they brought in the rest of the guys. I, I was kind of like, interesting, interesting. I, I either thought this was going to happen way earlier, or it wasn't mm-hmm. going to happen at all. Um, because, you know, to kind of relish in, in the the fodder post game to be like, we didn't even, we didn't need him. We really were playing with our food, and and we have the <laughs> utmost confidence that when we go back home, um, we're going to run this court off the te- or run this team off the court. Uh, but we'll see, we'll see. I think this was a big win for the Mavericks. I know they've been saying that they believe, but when you get one, when you get a win in the win column, it it means even more, right? And you saw their their disposition after the game, Lucas smiling, Jalen Brunson, of course, with the inside NBA guys talking about his father and how much better he is than his father as a player. <laughs> that was hilarious. You had a little run in with Chuck. Talk about that. I, di- I did. Yeah, no, that was pretty cool. Yeah, after the game was over with. You know, the TNT folks have been fantastic, obviously, covering this entire, you know, Western Conference Finals. You know, had a chance to talk with Shaq before, you know, one of the games. And then, you know, caught Charles Barkley after the game, you know, because he, he's been trolling the the Warriors fans throughout the course of this whole series, you know, cheering basically for the Mavericks because in spite of, you know, the Warriors, like, hey, so what do you think? He's like, I'm sticking to my pick, Mavs in seven. I was like, well, that means we'll see you here Saturday, right? He's like, well, 
Unfortunately, yes. That means you'll see me here on on uh, <laughs> on Saturday. Look, they as much as they love covering this league, it's been a long season for them too. They've been on the yeah. road doing their thing. They're tired too. They're ready for a little bit of vacation as well. But it was really cool, yeah, to to, to run into him and be able to get that little moment. But uh, you know that that's that's the thing and part of this postseason, right? It's been a long season. Both of these teams have played over a hundred games. Every one of these four teams that are left are tired. They're exhausted. Yeah. They played a ton of basketball, and it comes down to who can execute the best when they are dealing with things like fatigue and you know mental fatigue and all the things that they've been dealing with Bumps so far. Gold- yeah, exactly. Injuries, right. Yeah, and so far, Golden State has been able to prove that through the first four games, being up three games to one. But for the Mavericks, psychologically, as you mentioned, I think it was huge for them to know that they can not only beat this team, but they can beat this team at full strength because, yeah, they won three out of four games against Golden State earlier, you know, during the regular season. But in none of those games were all three of them, Curry, Thompson, and Green, all on the floor, you know, at the same time. So they're now confident that they can actually beat this team at full strength. They'll need to do it in that building. But more so than anything, the X factor in this series has been – now, Andrew Wiggins has been fantastic. You know, his aggressiveness on both ends of the floor. We know he's already put Luca on a poster, you know, in this series. His defense has been pretty good. The Mavericks got to make sure that they are neutralizing his aggressiveness by trying to get a little bit more physical with him in game five as well, because he's taken it upon himself to, you know, attack Luka Doncic, whether it be in the mid-range, trying to go at the rim. Uh, he's been willing to do that. The Mavericks will have to make sure that they're dealing with him as well. And I guess in a lot of ways, if you're Andrew Wiggins, you could be comfortable doing those kinds of things because you got three other guys that, you know, and Curry, Thompson, and Green, Green, not necessarily offensively, but you can feel comfortable in your role and being that aggressive, knowing the kind of players that you're right. that you're playing with. It just it just puts so much pressure on our defense when he is aggressive, attacking the mm-hmm. basket, attacking the offensive glass. I, I'm at this point, I'd never used to feel this way about Andrew Wiggins, but I expect his open threes to go in. And I expect a handful of his contested threes to go in. He's he's become that high percentage as a mid-range shooter and as an open three shooter. And um, credit to him for the work that he's put in. And I know that you know you you're presented with more open shots probably than he ever got in Minnesota mm-hmm. by playing alongside Draymond, who obviously has excellent court vision. Steph, who demands so much det- attention defensively. Clay, as well as as a you know one of the premier shooters that we've ever seen in the league. But that will be. If he's aggressive early on, um, I'm going to get less and less optimistic because sure. he puts that much pressure on our defense. And while Dorian Finney-Smith is an excellent defender, Andrew Wiggins is six nine. Dorian Finney-Smith is about six seven. Um, they are not they're not the same size. And I think people underestimate this Warriors length. Clay Thompson is six seven. Andrew Andrew yeah. Wiggins is is six nine. Maybe he's six ten. Who knows? Draymond obviously is probably like six five, but he plays big and he, he's he's broad, right? So mm-hmm. this they've got good length. Otto Porter, if he's out there, he's six nine two. Um, so I just I worry about that. But as long as we play our game, I'm gonna be excited to watch us, excited to watch Luca do his thing. He never has two bad games. Just doesn't happen. Uh he's gonna be locked in. Yeah, I mean, Luke is averaging over 38 points per game in the elimination games, and he's played five of them. And so that's, I mean, it's just absurd to think about the kind of numbers that he's put up in these elimination games. And you know that for the most part, you're going to get his best shot. And if his teammates could come with him and they keep this thing close going into the fourth quarter, you never know what could happen. So sure. I keep telling people, 
don't let the Mavericks get game five. Don't let them get game five because now we're talking about this team legitimately being back in this series with a chance to go home to win a game six to force a decisive game seven back in San Francisco. And we never know what could happen in a game seven. So the Warriors, if they're going to do it, they need to handle their business in game five because otherwise, if they don't, that's when things really start to get interesting for the re- yeah. remainder of this series. So while it's I a love, long shot, yeah. I was just going to say, I love statistical anomalies. I love them. But yeah. Right. I mean, look, we've been in this instance 146 times. All 146 teams who's been up three games to none, they've won the series. But you never know what could happen. And that was 3 1. And if any team can do it, clearly this is a team that won't quit in the Mavericks. And I think they've got to rely on that. We could talk about all the X's and O's and all things that have to yeah. do execution wise to win. Now it's down to the point of how bad do you want to save your season and how much are you willing to do that? And what are you willing to do to save your season to get this thing back to Dallas? It's a long how, shot, but yeah, they can how, do it. How, how bad do you want it? That's, that's exactly what it comes down to. I ask you, I'm going to ask you one more question before we, uh, before we roll on this one and, and you know, people get to just get anxious and get excited about the game for the next, for the next six hours, seven hours. Uh, right. What do you think about Mark Cuban's comments? You know, you mentioned that everyone in these playoffs are tired. Um, the play in game that bleeds into what we can do schedule wise with the playoffs and the amount of rest that these teams can have from game to game. And for the majority of these playoffs, you know, we've only been getting one one day of rest. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think that's something that needs to get looked at by Adam Silver and the league? Is it? I, I mean, I don't know the statistics as as if it's resulting to more injuries or anything like that. But I certainly have seen um, teams that are worn down, and yeah. whether it's whether it's one night or another, I think that probably is what has resulted in more blowouts as well, because you don't have that second effort to get you back into a game where we see that all the time happening in the regular season where someone's, you know, up 25 and then they end up losing that game. Obviously that happened in one of the games with the Mavericks, this, this uh, mm. series, but it's been few and far between in these playoffs where, where teams have come back. I know it's a make or miss league. I know we're high volume three point teams all across the board, not just the Mavericks, but I think it's reduced the quality of play. In my opinion, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question, a great point, because, you know, every other day is tough. And maybe the first couple of rounds, you can get away with that every other day type play. But once you get deeper into the playoffs, talking about the Western and Eastern Conference Finals and then the NBA Finals, guys should hopefully be as close to their optimum as possible. And the only way that you can do that during this time of the year is to give guys rest. So maybe with the Western and Eastern Conference Finals, you have a couple of days in between games and not just the every other day because you're really introducing, you know, a game on Tuesday ends at about 11, 1130 at night. You're getting on a plane the next day, maybe at two or three o'clock in the afternoon. So it's not like you're getting a ton of rest and a ton of sleep by the time you finish your game and then get home to go to bed eventually before you've got to get back up and get your day started to try and get to a two or three o'clock flight. You're traveling to San Francisco in this case, where obviously the travel is a little bit longer, and now you're dealing with another t- you're dealing with a time change as well, right. and then you got to basically get ready to play the next day. So it, it's it's been rough, obviously, but I think that's one way that they could do that. Which means, though, if you do that, you've got to extend the postseason a little bit further into the month of June, which 
maybe it's not necessarily a bad thing for the NBA. The longer you can have exposure on your league, the better, I, I would guess. But, yeah, they have to do something about that as far as the the schedule and the timing. And maybe you get to introduce that as you get deeper into the playoffs so that guys are playing at a more optimum level uh, when it comes to the right. final, the well, conference final, that's the same. Well, what we don't, I mean, in the playoffs last an inordinate amount of times by the time an NBA finals champion is, is crowned. It's mid-June, yeah. It's a long, it's a long time. But mm-hmm. I will say, like, from my friends that are not basketball fans who would maybe be enticed to watch the Western Conference Finals or the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals, they're not watching because they know that they're going to stop watching after the second quarter anyway when a team is up 20 and they know the result of the game already. Um, yeah. So, I, So I would say, you know, if you do lengthen it, hopefully that turns into closer games, higher mm-hmm. competition, and less en- less injuries, right? And, and guys are they're jumping into every playoff game at 90% as opposed to 60% of energy left in the tank, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's just, it's just something to think about, something that I've certainly been keeping an eye on. Mark Cuban, you know, his comments, people pay attention, especially us Dallas Mavericks fans, um, us MFFLers. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just wanted to bring it up. But, but yeah, man, I'm excited about tonight's game. And uh, what's your what's your official pick? I think the Warriors close this thing out. As much as I want the Mavericks to continue to extend their series, I mean, you're dealing with three guys who know what it means to win in these kinds of moments, and I don't think they'll let that moment slip away in Game 5. If they do, we're talking about a completely different series here, but I do think the Warriors get this thing done, close out in five, and go to their sixth NBA Finals in the last eight years, which is just mind-boggling to think about when it comes to the Warriors in there. Finals appearances. How about you? I'm, I'm riding with our guys. I'm doing it. All right, all right. I'm doing it. I think I think we're due for just Luca scorched earth game. I think it's. I think he hasn't had it, but I think for him, he's 23. That energy should be always at 90, if not 100. Um, so it's just a matter of him being focused in this game. Mm-hmm. And not exhausting himself with Scott and the rest of the officials, and continu- <laughs> <laughs> and continuing to attack, staying aggressive, and he never really has an issue with shooting uh, on the road. So I, I like I like our chances if he has a huge game, a huge game, including getting his teammates involved and leading them to victory. You know, leading by example, as all good leaders do. So. That's that's my pick. I'm I'm going Mavs. It's the Homer pick. I was against this last <laughs> last game. I thought we were getting swept. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. So now now that we did get one, I got to lean in. Let's do this. Let's let's uh let's create our own statistic. Who better to do it than Luka Doncic? Well, let's hope that the Mavericks find a way to extend this series back to Dallas for what will be a game 6 on Saturday. If not, the Golden State Warriors will be in their 6th NBA Finals in the last 8 years. It should be A lot of fun out in San Francisco as the Dallas Mavericks look to extend their series. Game five in San Francisco against the Golden State Warriors of the Western Conference Finals. We'll see if the Mavericks can extend this series and find out if they can get this thing back to Dallas to give this home crowd one more opportunity to see them before season's end. It's been a lot of fun on this episode. Alex, really appreciate where can they find you at on Twitter, sir? At Toss.0, T-A-S-S point O-H. 
All right. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Kevin Gray Sports, Mavericks Insider for 105.3 The Fan. This has been Believe in Mavs as the Mavericks get ready to take on the Golden State Warriors. We appreciate you joining us here on the Believe Network for Believe in Mavs from my guy, Alex Sosopoulos. My name is Kevin Gray. We'll talk to you next time right here on Believe in Mavs. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.